What's up, what's up, what's up, and welcome to the Single Player Experience Podcast, the hottest thing since macaroni and cheese. This is the premier podcast for single player gamers to find about good single player games to play. As always, I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, but enough about me because we have a very special guest with us today. You know, this guy has been everywhere. He's a freelance writer. He's been on Game Informer, he Game Biz, Inverse.com, NPR, Polygon, Rolling Stone, Variety. Man, he has absolutely been everywhere. So, my guest today is none other than the one, the only, Joshua Broadwell. Josh, how you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks, and I appreciate you having me on the show. Man, thank you so much for making the time. Before we begin, can you, you know, like, for the people who do not know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, so I'm Josh. Um, I'm a full-time freelance writer. Uh, my background is actually in history. I was studying to be a historian. I've got a graduate degree in it and everything. And then the pandemic happened and there was just really no way to pursue a PhD after that. So here we are. I started kind of dabbling in writing um, and then eventually did it part-time. And then in 2021, switched over to full-time. And that's just pretty much where I'm at now. I'm just kind of trying to keep on keeping it going. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What's your favorite like game-related piece that you've ever written? Ooh, um, well, it's not necessarily a written piece. Um, I did write the script for it and do the interviews. Uh, last summer, I had the privilege of doing uh, an Art of the Level piece with IGN, and oh, it was cool. on um, Psychonauts 2, Compton's Cook-Off level. It was kind of just going into the the whole process of how the level came to life, the different forms that it took over the over the uh, production process. Um, it was it was just as much fun to actually learn about it as it was to write it and see the, the finished product. So yeah, I really love that one. That is so cool. That is so cool, Josh. Before we get started with like the main topic of the show, I gotta ask you if like this is an icebreaker question I asked all my first time guests. So if Kirby absorbed you, what kind of powers would he get? Oh, well, I guess it probably depends on the day, but I I mean, like the one that would stand the test of time would probably just be an overriding love of cheese. Cheese? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. What's, what's, what's with the cheese thing? Are you, is that one of your favorite things to eat in the world? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just have a thing for it. I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, just I love it. Any kind, always eager to try new kinds. Um, it's just, it's the perfect food. What can I say? I feel you. I feel you. What's your favorite <laughs> cheese dish? Honestly, I know it sounds really basic after saying something like that, but homemade macaroni and cheese, um, it was actually a recipe found on a craft noodle box ages ago, and I've stuck with it ever since. It's just simple, kind of perfect comfort food. That sounds good. That sounds really good. Um, so yeah, like I I love mac and cheese. I love um, basically all um, most cheese dishes. Um, there's like a, there's like a um, mac and cheese that I had like recently. They had like little bits of like bacon in it as well, Ooh. and it was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, I digress. You know, <laughs> this is not the Cheese Wheel podcast. This is the the single player experience. But before <laughs> we before we get started with the topic of the show, I do gotta ask. You know. I last icebreaker question if you could play one like get an early video game early like let's just say your most anticipated game drops for Josh tomorrow which one would it be oh that would definitely be Dragon Quest 12 what that's exciting yeah I can't wait uh it's my favorite series one of my well one of my favorites um 
And then I actually earlier this year, I started a very slow replay of Dragon Quest XI, and it's just as perfect as I remember. So yeah, I'm pumped for Dragon Quest XII. <laughs> That's really cool. That's really cool. So Josh, I want to talk to you about the most anticipated games left in 2023. This has been a historically good game, like year for video games, like across the board from everything from remasters and remakes all the way to like survival horror, action adventure, you name it. Like we've gotten some solid representation in that genre fighting games like fighting games are going yeah. crazy as well so i'm like what are some of the most your most anticipated games left for 2023 um well i'm really looking forward to pikmin 4 um it's kind of it's given me really big chibi robo vibes um and if it kind of nails that level of weirdness i think that would be fantastic um plus it's just been ages since we've had a new pikmin um Definitely Baldur's Gate 3. Um, oh, it's so cool. kind of got similarly weird vibes. <laughs> Maybe on the, on the other end of the scale from Chibi Robo. Um, I'm really eager to see how that finally, how the rest of that finally um, comes together after, you know, having Act 1 for so long. Um, cautiously excited about Starfield. The idea of such a massive world kind of makes me tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it, but that's just a lot of exploring to do, you know? Yeah, um, I feel you on that. Yeah, off the top of my head, I'd say those are definitely my three like standouts right now. Oh, that's good. That's cool. I I want to ask you some follow up questions based on the information you gave me. Like, of course. So, Pigman, um, like, so the is the big thing this this go around is that it's just a dog in it. Like, what's what's like the big like pool that's different from all the other Pigman games? The first three. Yeah, that's a good question, honestly, because um, and that's kind of what I wondered ever since it was revealed is like, you know, is this just going to be more of the same, which for me is fine. Maybe for yeah. people, not so much. Um, after playing the demo, I think, yeah, it's the dog, which I mean, the dog is perfect. <laughs> uh, there's an underground, which I guess is kind of a theme of Nintendo's this year. Between yeah, the, sure. the kingdom and that. Um, and yeah, and then other than that, it's the setting. It's, uh, otherwise, it's just, it really does seem like just kind of more of the same. Um, but yeah, I fell in love with the series, you know, ages ago when it first came out on GameCube. So um, whether or not it's it's innovative enough to convince people to finally, you know, give it a try or not, I don't know. But I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. You know, there's been a. I feel like that has been like a little bit of a stigma in like the games industry that that expression more of the same. You know, like yeah. I, you know, I feel like we're we're kind of underrating what, what like more of the same means. Like that comfort food, like and kind of feeling that more of the same kind of gives you. Like because I know, like I, I'm. You know, and this is a weird thing to be apprehensive of. I'm kind of scared of the reception Spider-Man's gonna get later this year, like Marvel Spider-Man Two, because I feel like if it is more of the same, that people are just going to like basically just like kind of throw it off to the side. It can be an amazing Spider-Man game, but if it feels more of the same, I feel like that's going to hinder it a little bit. What, what are your thoughts on more of the same? I, I honestly, I typically like more of the same. Like, um, mm -hmm. if if an angle I have to take for a piece is that, you know, what does it do differently? How does it push the genre forward or whatever? Difficult. Well, it doesn't, but I still really like it, you know? Um, <laughs> kind of hard to convince people to pick it up like like that. But I, yeah, I mean, if it's kind of, and kind of like even if it's like um, a specific trope or something in a genre or a series or, or across different series or whatever, if it's done well, then I'm fine with it. Like one of my favorite games of the year so far was Octopath Traveler 2. It's basically just more of the same. And I loved it. I thought it was great. You know, it really made it a lot better. So um, yeah, I know it can kind of be, like you said, there is definitely a stigma attached to it, but I'm yeah. all right with more of the same. 
I am too. I am too. Cause I'm like, I look at every, every other aspect in our life. We go to a fast food place, for instance, we, we want to know what we want to know what we're getting ourselves into. Like more, we go there for comfort. We're not necessarily going there to be surprised by the newest and greatest things. I'm like, we go to a lot of movies, you know, like whether it be a superhero movie or mission impossible, which just came out at the time of this recording, we're not expecting to like, just be mind blowingly, like revolutionize the way movies work we're we're kind of going into that knowing what we're gonna get so it's kind of weird that in video games seems like the only thing that it like appreciates more like doesn't appreciate more of the same like as much as other like entities because sports i'm like you kind of expect more of the same you know <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah um I've, I've noticed some of that too in certain strands of kind of like film and tv criticism as well it's like mm -hmm. well it's a plot that we've seen before or it's a character type that we've seen before which i mean you know Probably because yeah. he, people have been telling stories for thousands of years, so you're gonna you're gonna recognize it. Um, but yeah, um, I think like you said, if if it's what you're wanting and expecting, then that's obviously you know that's a good thing. And if it does, if it improves it, then I think even if it is more of the same, if it's an improved version of it, then that, that can still push it forward, um, just in different ways. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, like to go back to your most anticipated games because i think that's a really cool list there like you mentioned that you were apprehensive about starfield what's the what's your worries about the game um well it's kind of kind of twofold i um as a guide writer the prospect of having a billion different planets to explore is actually a little intimidating you mm -hmm. know um and then just personally i i kind of get bored easily to be honest okay. so like if if there's a lot of planets to explore and there's not really a, a strong narrative thread to encourage me to explore them or you know like okay equipment and resources that's fine that's a good reward but i would want something a bit more compelling um so i guess my concern is just how well it's going to be handled uh, whether it's enough to actually keep me interested <laughs> You're speaking my language here. I'm a huge story centric guy. Like, uh, like for me, like I look at open world games as as far as like how well your open world can fit in, into the crafted narrative that you're trying to tell, and like mm -hmm. how does everything sort of like amplify based off of the story structure more so than like just let me run around in an open world sandbox and let me do everything I want. To me, that's like you're saying, kind of a little bit on the boring side, a little stale side. Like, and, and you know, oddly enough, that's kind of why I didn't get into like Tears of the Kingdom this year. It's because like it gave me too much freedom and not enough structure for me. Mm -hmm. And I almost wish I had a little more narrative to kind of like bite into versus the 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 style of the style of like story that they were telling there yeah yeah that's definitely um i actually kind of almost burned myself out with tears of the kingdom at oh, first really? be because I, I was kind of trying to just do all the things and i ended up eventually kind of finding this um the stable trotters quest mm -hmm. i'm not sure if you did that one where it's since you like the putting the band back together oh yeah, uh, yeah yeah with the um the newspaper uh bird his name should kind of slip my mind the bird mine too. um so yeah but that that kind of i has a bit more structure to it because it sends you to certain places and uh unlocks certain quests as you go along and i did that finally kind of got me back into it but yeah otherwise i was like you said just kind of floundering around going what am i supposed to do next <laughs> i feel you i feel you so i you know your third game that you recommended remind me which one it was Oh, uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3. One of the, like, 
that's got to be so cool and so intimidating to have to play a game that's and like write a guide for a game that's gonna have that many lines of dialogue that many story threads like what's the apprehension slash anticipation level like for you there um the yeah i think the apprehension is there definitely because <laughs> that's that there's a lot of different ways to um to approach it <laughs> and inevitably there's going to be questions about you know well well, it's typically with games like that, the stuff you see mm -hmm. the most is, um, uh, like, um, which choice you should pick. And yeah. in a game like Baldur's Gate 3, that's going to have, you know, huge, huge consequences, probably, depending on what choice you do pick. So I, there's a bit of apprehension there. It's like, how, how easy is it going to be to explore multiple branches? Um, but I'm actually really excited about it. So the apprehension is a bit less because I want to see these branches, you know? I don't want to see how it all unfolds. <laughs> I am too. Um, this kind of gives me like it sort of fills in that gap that I'm missing from like one of my favorite series, and that's Dragon Age. Like I love yeah. the Dragon Age series, and like I loved seeing like how the characters interact with each other, all the lines of dialogue in that game. Like I loved how almost like how much these characters really felt like real people, even in that fantasy type of environment. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I I miss that. I I haven't had that kind of feeling in a long time. Even even though like. You know, I can't remember the last time I felt like I got that feeling fulfilled. Maybe Mass Effect Andromeda in a weird way, but like right. even still, it's been a long time since that game came out. So I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to Baldur's Gate. Um, I gotta ask you, as a person who's never played Baldur's Gate, do you think this is a good entry into the franchise, or do you feel like I probably need to go back and do some homework? Well, it's actually gonna be my first as well. Oh, so okay. um, I guess we'll find out together. But from <laughs> sure. from, from what I've heard, it's uh, more of a Oh, just completely slipped my mind. But it's uh, it's not like narratively tied to okay. the first two games. Um, so we shouldn't have to worry too much about it. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's cool. Like, do you already do you go into these type of games having a build in mind, or do you feel like you just kind of see what's available and go with what you feel at the time? Yeah, I usually wait and see, and then I spend like thirty minutes going back and forth between the different classes, and that's what I did with Divinity uh, Original Sin too. It took me. <laughs> longer than I care to admit to decide what uh, what class and origin story to play. So um, yeah, but I I tried just to see what I feel like doing at the time. So switching up the switching up the questions here. What like is your game of the year so far? Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, or what's in contention there for you? Maybe that's a easier <laughs> way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like you said. There's been a lot this year. Yeah. Um, I would say it's a toss up between uh, Trails into Reverie. Okay. And well, honestly, I mean, I know it's not technically new, but I really enjoyed Ghost Trick. It was the oh, first really? time I played it, and it was just a really clever, um, well-designed puzzler, and I had a blast with it. That was that was a lot of fun. You know, I've never heard of that one. Can you tell me about that one? Oh yeah, uh, it's from the creator of the Ace Attorney series. Um, okay. You play as a well, you actually don't know who you are because the game starts when you're murdered. So you you wake up as a ghost, you've lost your memory, and you have to try and solve your murder and help save someone else who was investigating uh, something that you were supposed to be helping her out with. Um, and you have until 4 a.m. that night until not only you vanish, but then the calamity that you're trying to prevent in the city happens. Um, but what's really clever is that to solve puzzles and figure out what's going on, you possess objects that are you know, kind of scattered around a stage. So like in the tutorial, for instance, you um, you possess a refrigerator and you open it. That's the, what your special power is, a ghost trick, you know, hence the name. Makes sense. 
Um, so you open the refrigerator, possess a flagpole, turn on a blender to pull the fl- the cord from the flagpole up, get in the flag, and then you're up on the next level of the stage. So it's just it's a really clever tactile puzzler. Um, and instead of just solving it, it kind of feels like it feels like you're more hands-on, and again, it gives you more control over the stage. Um, I typically don't like linear puzzle games where there is only one solution because mm-hmm. it, sometimes they kind of you end up getting stuck. And because, like with a multiple choice question, the one answer that you think is right isn't there, so you're stuck going, well, "What do I do?" And it takes you ages. But yeah, um, it's the way that it teaches you the solution is really clever. To where I mean, it pretty much removes all that frustration. So oh, that's really cool. I'm seeing this uh, like initially came out in 2010. What platform did you play it out? Play it on lately? Uh, I had um, a review copy for PlayStation 4. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. It actually translated really well, despite having originally launched on the DS. Um, the touch controls really didn't make that much of a difference because I used analog stick with, and it was totally fine. So, oh, That's really cool. That's really cool. Do you, so, like, do you feel like this game is very much feels like Ace Attorney, or do you feel like it kind of, like, creates an identity of its own? I think it's a good mix, actually. Okay. Um, it, it definitely has the Ace Attorney vibes to it and the style of writing, the style of humor, and just the, kind of the weird quirkiness um, that is definitely there. Uh, but I think, yeah, in the content matter and just kind of the sort of deduction that it makes you do, I think it definitely does kind of have its own distinct identity. Oh, okay. That's really cool. So no one yells objection in the middle of this game. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no. No, no. No, but you might, um, you might accidentally... Uh, get shot by Cupid with a flaming arrow if you're not fast enough, so... That is super cool. (laughs) (laughs) Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective. This looks fun, man. I'm looking at the... I'm looking at the trailer right here, and I'm like, this looks right up my alley. I I happen to like the Ace Attorney games as well, so I I love the mystery elements Mm -hmm. of those. So I'm like, this looks like something I can dive into. So yeah, it's on PS4, Nintendo Switch. It was originally on DS, it looks like. And you can play it on the phones. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a free demo as well on console at least. Okay, I'll have to check that one out. So, Capcom is like, man, Capcom's putting out some bangers. Like, yeah, for real. It's been it's been their year for like the past three years. <laughs> <laughs> I think like I I know the streak has kind of been broken with um Exoprimal. I hear I've heard very mixed things about that. Have you is that a game you're gonna check out? Yeah, I think eventually I'd like to. Um, a friend told me that it's it's Overwatch with dinosaurs. Okay. Um, I pretty keen on overwatch so that kind of <laughs> that sounds like something i should definitely check out um but yeah it does seem a bit mixed as something about i remember reading and hearing um that the first like eight hours like an extended tutorial and then finally mm-hmm. once you get through that there's a whole lot more mission variety interesting objectives bigger challenge so sounds pretty odd but sometimes kind of that sort of oddness is makes me more interested to check it out than if it was just kind of standard you know yeah for sure for sure let me let me ask you a question based on what you just said like with um a tutorial that long eight hours like that's longer than some indie games nowadays like <laughs> yeah <laughs> do, you, do you feel like that's a little overkill for a tutorial like <laughs> yeah i mean i guess it depends on how it's structured like if it's still uh teaching you stuff and, and holding your hand after that long i think i think it would test my patience a bit too much but if it's mostly um i think it's if, if it's a bit more open-ended might mm-hmm. might be bearable yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I mean, like, if 
I played Final Fantasy 16, and it has like a intro, a big long intro part of the game. But like right. a lot of that didn't necessarily feel like tutorials, even though there were right. introducing a whole lot of mechanics. But maybe it's because like the story structure felt like that was a pivotal part of like that story more so than anything else. Mm-hmm. I I haven't played Exo Primal, but maybe that's that story structure isn't there to kind of help move things along and make it feel less like a tutorial, like an eight hour tutorial session. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, but. Um, it sounds a bit rough (laughs) yeah for sure for sure josh i want to ask you like of all the games that that have come out this year what is a game that passed you by like you missed on on first glance that you're probably gonna catch up on in your backlog oh um there are actually a lot of them um but i think one of the biggest would be space for the unbound um oh it's so good yeah it i've heard so much good about it i really want to check it out I just haven't had a chance yeah that one's really good I think that's the only game so far that's made me tear up this year like oh, really it is, yeah like oh, wow. yeah, the emotions hit me and I love like I, I'm i huge into indies that kind of like really have a resonating story and I feel like that game like hit above and beyond the story is phenomenal the art style is absolutely magnificent again like the art style and the soundtrack are both well done I feel like it has a solid like background of like of um of indonesian characters that and, and like is a solid representation of that culture like mm-hmm. and that's something we ne- don't normally get to see in games right ever. yeah so i'm like i i love that story i love the the personaness of it because it does have some persona like elements to it as well so i'm like it is it's probably one of my favorite indies this year for sure wow yeah that's that's a good recommendation i'll definitely <laughs> have to check it out sooner than i expected <laughs> yeah for sure definitely do that um but uh, so what's some other ones that kind of missed you missed on the first go around that you're going to go back in your backlog and, and check out? Honestly, I have forgotten a lot of what's come out already. It's been there's just been so much. Um, <laughs> it really what has. about what about you? What's what's something you're you're keen on checking out when you get a chance? So that's a good question. Um, I. So let's see, I've never played a Dead Space game before never actually played the dead space and dead space remake looks like a good entry point into how i should get into that franchise so i i definitely probably even though i'm a coward like i'm a chicken when it comes to horror games like absolutely (laughs) scooby-doo level style chicken when it comes to horror games (laughs) so i'm like that one that barrier of entry might be a little rough for me but um um that one is probably one that i'm keen to check out and then I didn't I don't feel like I gave um Fire Emblem Engage uh, a fair shot. Like I I played I think maybe close to like 5 or 6 hours of that game and I didn't feel the same connection I felt with Fire Emblem 3 Houses and it's right. also because 3 Houses have like a characters that I that kind of win you over and like a huge a huge amount of that game is devoted to like the overall arching story and how these characters fit into it versus like Fire Emblem Engage felt like a celebration of Fire Emblem. Like it felt like it was, it felt like, uh, you know, I hate to throw this back to a sports analogy, but it felt like an NBA All-Star game without you. <laughs> yeah, I, no. yeah, it really did. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. It felt like an All-Star game and you don't necessarily like, but for like a person whose who's first Fire Emblem game was Fire Emblem Three Houses, it's sort of like an all-star game, but I've never actually watched any of these players play before. So it was, yeah. I don't have that attachment to any of these characters, so. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. an odd one for sure. And I think, I mean, it was definitely more tactics focused than Three Houses, but the weird thing that I kind of found when I was playing it was that most of the really interesting 
changes and um like uh uses of some of the new features like the chain attacks and whatnot you didn't really notice unless you were playing on hard mode mm -hmm. um so yeah and then hard mode was like at the point towards the end it would take like an hour just to clear a single chapter and yeah That's so ridiculous it, it, yeah kind of <laughs> it was it was a, it was an odd one i ended up enjoying it but yeah not as much as three houses yeah i love three houses what um what house or like what what faction did you choose in three houses i'm curious um i'm not sure if <laughs> maybe i shouldn't admit that i've actually played all of them more than once um, what all yeah. of them more than once? <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is amazing yeah i really i really enjoyed that one um i started out with golden deer though um, same here yeah they're I, they're my favorite um i think the ending of the story felt a bit confused it felt a bit rushed to me mm -hmm. um but i think the general kind of ideals that guided the house and the characters were my favorite for sure um the black eagles i liked i liked them the story definitely felt short though the edelgard's kind of special route yeah. i was disappointed that it got cut short because it seemed like there was so much more to explore um and then yeah the blue lions was kind of more your traditional fire emblem everyone had everyone was kind of broken and traumatized so that was <laughs> kind of hard not to <laughs> like them because they just want you to be happy and mm -hmm. of course no one really was so um but yeah but i think i'm getting off topic now sorry about that no no it's all good i love it i love it man i yeah like hearing you talk about fire emblem three houses makes me want to play three houses again like <laughs> yeah. it makes me want to run through another playthrough myself but like oh i love that game so much like i i'm thinking i'm looking at the the character list and i'm like oh claude and the Raphael is what was what a character that really like stood out to yes. me as well oh i loved him he's great and Hilda is probably one of my favorite like uh favorite characters to kind of play as in the entire game uh, like love having her on my team so uh, yeah I, man the golden deers are some special <laughs> they're something they, are, special they really are <laughs> <laughs> they really are but man all right so i i got a couple like final like main topics of the show questions to kind of get out there and i'm, I'm really wanted to ask you so like okay. you so you had several games um you have several games that you kind of want to go back and play you also have your three most anticipated games what is a game that people have recommended to you to definitely check out that you haven't gotten to yet oh um good question uh one was um uh, well i've actually got two i've got uh saga scarlet grace and then valhalla um but it's spelled with the numbers mm -hmm. uh bar i think it's bartending adventure um i've only gotten like a few minutes into that uh, i really enjoyed what i was able to play but i haven't been able to get back to it so i'd say i mean they're not from this year but those are ones that are really keen to to try that were recommended to me oh that's really cool valhalla bartending adventure yeah let me, let me see what the actual name was valhalla bartending i think it's more of like yeah cyberpunk bartender action um it's like va hyphen one one huh. and then hall dash a um, i didn't even know this game existed this looks so cool yeah it like i said the opening minutes were excellent um but i just haven't had a chance to get back to it so what are you what platform were you playing it on on um, steam deck oh, okay how yeah. are you enjoying your steam deck i'd love it honestly i mean i would play everything portably if i could <laughs> it's, it's just it's just more convenient you know um the, the battery life is, can be a little difficult to adjust to, but you mm -hmm. kind of figure out, you know, how that's going to go depending on what you're playing and get into a bit of a groove with it, really. Um, but yeah, I, I love portability. Um, 
not always convenient for me to to sit in front of a TV for long periods of time. After the end of a long workday, I don't really want to be stuck in front of the computer anymore. So mm-hmm. yeah, Steam Deck is perfect. So what was the game that made you fall in love with your Steam Deck? Or is there a certain experience that kind of like won you over and you were like, this is this is how I prefer to play games now? Um, it was actually mostly a lot of longer PC games or even console games like Red Dead Redemption 2 that I've wanted to play for a long time and just didn't have a chance to to sit down like I said you know in front of a TV or something to play mm-hmm. um so yeah definitely Red Dead 2 which I'm only a few hours into admittedly um and then some older older RPGs that I used to play on the Vita and I just don't don't really do that anymore um the Trails in the Sky yeah. um yeah so man yeah was- it, it this is the thing like the steam deck has been a real godsend like you can mow through your video game backlog just you know sitting around watching tv and just playing something oh it's a game changer it really yeah. is like it, it it reminds me of the first time i got my switch and i thought to myself i'm like this is this is revolutionary this is right i never thought i'd see i never thought i'd play a game this big in my lap before but like it reminds me of that and it, it kind of takes it to the next level as well to where i'm always like i'm kind of yearning for like oh let me play so play this on the steam deck more so mm-hmm. than i am like i want to sit there and just have a controller in my hand it's it's a weird transition yeah yeah, no, but sure. I, yeah definitely get what you mean yeah, for sure, for sure. So, Josh, I have three last questions of the show for you. And the first one is, are you ready? Because it is time for our Pro Nerd Trivia portion of the show where I <laughs> ask our esteemed guests five different questions based on five different categories. Uh, these five questions could be, they're completely randomized. They're, you know, so I have no control of what topics you get, what questions you get. But I digress. This is a good time. It is a hard time, though. Like, we've only had one person, one person get all five questions correct in our i think you're 103 our guest that's been on the show so far so so no pressure no no pressure (laughs) no pressure at all but um are you ready good sir i am ready let's go okay all right so our first category let's see what is the first category it is in the realm of pokemon and it is specifically generation one pokemon gen one all right all right so here we go all right in pokemon generation one what pokemon does psyduck evolve into ah psyduck evolves into golduck you are correct you are absolutely correct no hesitation just straight for the kill (laughs) yeah see that's what i knew i could do because i started with gen one watched the anime and everything so yeah i was pretty confident in that one (laughs) is there is there one if i would have said you would have been like oh no like like i i don't know that one like are you would have hesitated because you went straight for the kill on that one (laughs) i think with the first 151 well actually no um up to however many are in gold and silver i don't know the number but um yeah pretty confident in those first two and then it starts to get pretty fuzzy with gen 3 and gen 4 uh gen 5 no way nah (laughs) (laughs) six i don't even remember most of the the starters um yeah so but yeah Yeah. one and two i'd be pretty good with one and two okay okay i like that i like that all right so our next category is in the realm of anime anime this is a very hard topic because it's so broad yeah all right (laughs) who who meaning what is the official name of the character known as one punch man what is his legal name oh that is a that's a good question and i don't know the answer 
Is that your final answer? That is, yeah, I'm afraid that is my final answer. It is Satama. Satama. Ah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might have known that somewhere, but that's a hard pool. That is actually a very that's not hard true. Pool. I didn't know it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> all right. So my next the next qu- question I am giving you is in the realm of video games, specifically Xbox. Xbox trivia. Okay. Yeah. How confident are you in this category? Mm, iffy. My the Series S was my first Xbox, so. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. So we will see if if that is beneficial. All right. So here we go. Okay. So, what character is etched inside of the Xbox One S? Which character is etched inside the Xbox One S? I didn't know there was anyone etched inside it. That's I, I actually really interesting. That um, is really cool. I, at a rough guess, I'd say Master Chief. You are absolutely correct. Ah, it there is we the go. Master Chief. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, like the Xbox One S hides a very tiny Master Chief inside its body. Really? Like yeah. where? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's an interesting question. Let me see if it'll give me any elaboration. Um. Let's see. Do, 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 do. All right. The power. Da, da, da. Almost no one's going to look inside. Let's see. All right. Huh. It says it's inside the body close to the charge, close to the outlet ports in the back, is what it's saying huh. right here. Well, that's that interesting. Is really cool. Yeah. I wonder what the story behind that is. I am fascinated. You know, that's a <laughs> that's a good question to ask Sarah Bond or like Phil Spitzer or something. Right. Why, why that exists. That's a really cool question. That's a really cool um, little Easter egg there. All right. So our next category is in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Okay. Okay. Very confident. Ish. It's been a very long time. All right. All right. I solemnly swore I'm up to no good then. Okay. Here we go. What does the Bogart transform into when Mrs. Weasley sees it? Oh. What does the Bogart, Bogart, Bogart turn into when Mrs. Weasley sees it? I can't remember. This is really, unfortunately, this is really dark, but. And she sees the bodies of her entire family and Harry lying on the floor. Ah, okay, yeah, I knew it was something to do with her family, but I couldn't remember exactly what. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I believe you are two for two. And okay. so we, we are going for a winning record here with the final questions. And this one, it gives you a question, a category choice of A or category B for question five. Which one would you like to choose? Oh, um, hmm. B sounds good. Let's go B for B. B sounds good. I like that. I like that. All right, be bold. All right, so our last category is in the realm of PlayStation. PlayStation okay. trivia. All right, so how long have you been a PlayStation owner? I know Xbox Series S was your first one, right? Yeah, so since the first one? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so I skipped out on PlayStation 3, um, but yeah, otherwise pretty familiar with PlayStation, or at least that's what I say now. We'll see what happens when okay, the question okay. comes up. <laughs> Okay, so you've always leaned more towards the PlayStation side of the fence. Yes and no. Um, it's kind of 
was decided for me but first because i was i was like five when the first playstation came out and my grandparents yeah. said this is what you're gonna have so you know i'm five i'd say okay and i play it <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then it kind of went back and forth at the gamecube then later i got playstation 2 just you know just check out some of the rpgs on it um it's just been a, a bit been a mix but it's definitely always been there okay i like that i like that all right so this one is a very hard question, and I I hate it for you. I absolutely hate it for you. <laughs> okay. All right. So, who is Nico's bowling obsessed cousin in the game Grand Theft Auto Four? Ah, uh, yeah, I have no idea because I've never played Four. Oh, yeah, yeah. This okay. So if you played Four, there was a cousin that would call you like every couple of minutes in the game, and he'd be like, <laughs> and he'd be like, cousin Nico, you want to go bowling? And like it would just happen over and over again, but his name is Roman. Roman is his okay. name. All right, all right. You did what happens good. if you go bowling? You just you play a bowling mini bowling. game. Oh, yeah, okay. you just play a go- bowling mini game. Every once in a while, he invites some like girls, and y'all do a double date situation, if I remember correctly. But for gotcha. the most part, you just go bowling in that. Uh, yeah. So, would you like to see the road not taken for category A? By any oh yeah, time? definitely. Yeah. All right. So category A. Oof, is in the realm of Middle Earth. Middle oh, Earth. Okay. Yeah. Would that have been a better category for you, you think? It might have been, actually. That is, statistically speaking, that's our second high, like, hardest category. That's oh. the, that's like the category we get, like, the least amount, like, the second least amount, because Star Trek is first. Like, oh, no yeah, one gets the cool. Star Trek right. I wouldn't get the Star Trek one. I've never seen it. <laughs> no one gets that one right. Um, let's see. All right. So, what was the name of the mountain where the master ring was made? The, oh, the, like the proper name, like the proper name, or the because, but I think, like the the old tongue name is I'm probably I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but it looks like it would be Orodruin or something like that. Yeah, that... I I don't think it's going for the proper one. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> Mount Doom. Yeah. Mount Doom is correct. Yep. Mount Doom is I should have picked A. Yeah, I should have picked A. <laughs> Mount Doom is absolutely correct. So that is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, usually that one, that Lord of the Rings category, like, stumbles a lot of people. But I digress. Yep. You did you did pretty good on that Lord of the Rings one. So well, thank you. <laughs> I got to ask you, before you go, I have two major okay. questions left. And that right. is, what video game, like Josh video game, would you recommend to people? Like one of your favorite or most influential games of your life that you'd recommend? Hey, if you if you are looking for a game to play, this is the game you should definitely check out. So says Josh. All right, I might cheat a little bit and throw in okay. two. Okay. All right, go ahead. Cool. All right. Um, so the first would be a more recent one. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles Three. That Ooh. is, I, I didn't really expect. Okay, well. I get my thoughts straight for a second. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of two, just because it felt a bit scrambled. Like there was a lot going on, and it wasn't until like the back third that it really kind of pulled itself together and had much of an identity. So I was a bit apprehensive going into three, and then three starts, and all of a sudden it's this reflection on the meaning of life and the nature of existence and the point of you know continuing on after grief and struggle, loss, and death, and it stuff that would be really easy to tackle in a ham-fisted way or for it to just kind of seem shallow and meaningless and maybe it was just where i was at at the time because i'd actually just a few months ago had a loss in the family i'm so Um, sorry man oh i appreciate it um but it really just kind of struck a chord with me um and then it kind of kept building on these themes throughout 
Um, and that was really impressive. I think that was the first time outside of... That was pretty much the first time in a game that I, I really kind of emotionally resonated on a sense of like where it spoke to me personally of like I said you know because of what I was going through at the time and then from just kind of a thematic perspective it was just impressive how it handled the subjects um because like I remember I remember writing in my review too at one point and I think it's chapter four like they actually literally ask the question that if you take a philosophy class in college you know it's always oh what, you know, what is the good life what does this mean like they literally ask that question like what is what is, does it mean to live a good life and then they actually they provide they go ahead with like with thoughtful answers and uh the most impressive part i remember thinking at the time and i still think is that they don't even give you a proper answer like the characters in it are struggling to find this out just as much as we are they don't know what it means to live a good life they don't know what how to honor the people that they love who have died it's just you know it's a mess and you do the best you can and you keep on moving forward so I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, quick question: Would you say that's like the best story-centric game like that's out on Switch? Is Xenoblade Chronicles Three? I would. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm probably biased since it does mean a lot to me, but I would mm -hmm. definitely say it's the most, um, the most thematically ambitious story-centric game for sure. Um, it's just not something you see tackled a lot in games, and even in a lot of like TV and films, because um, you know, obviously you or watching or playing something to have fun and to feel good about things. You don't necessarily <laughs> want to start crying and thinking about death and, you know, the nature of your own existence. But yeah, I'm, I definitely think it's one of the stronger ones on the switch. Yeah, man, man. Um, what was this uh, like? Oh, before we go to your second one, like, I really want to ask you, like, based on a per like, I've never played any of the Xeno Xenoblades. Are they more like anthologies to where like they each stand alone? Or is this like a, a story that's being told like a la like a God of War throughout like each installment? Well, that's that's a bit of a more complex question because of the way that they handled the epilogue, okay. uh, like in the in the DLC expansion that came out earlier this year, which I haven't actually gotten to yet. But um, so originally they were kind of distinct. the The second game was had a few nods to the first game, but then at the end there was like we kind of started kind of toying with the ideas of parallel dimensions and whatnot. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's one of yeah one of those. Um, and then the third game had it kind of did the same thing and then all of a sudden in the epilogue it's it literally kind of smashes the first two games together puts them in the third and there you go it kind of ties the whole trilogy together um so yeah i think you would be mostly fine not playing the first two um okay. especially since they're so long you know <laughs> uh but yeah there, there are definitely a lot of references uh toward the further you get into three okay that's pretty cool that's pretty cool what was the second game you were going to recommend to people that would be Trails in the Sky, The Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky. Ooh. I'm a huge fan of that series. Um, it's less on the like on the on the themes and like it's kind of the opposite from Xenoblade Three in that sense. It's more um, a lot of people I've heard compare it to the Suikoden, um, like the mm -hmm. old PlayStation. I'd say it's kind of a cross between that and Lunar, because oh. on the one hand, there's it's an exceptionally in-depth fantasy world like um everything you would expect to see in daily life like a newspaper or like book series popular book series and the effect they have on pop culture you know you see that in there it's it's there's a lot of a lot of social depth to it um, a lot of political depth like the way that it treats your kind of usual 
kind of RPG story developments like uh, political revolutions and whatnot. It's something like you you if like you'd read in a history book. Like it, it takes cues from a lot of political theories and uh, historical events and kind of weaves it into its own story. Um, a lot of really deep character relationships. Um, the old Trails in the Sky games kind of have a a fresh twist on turn-based battles where it combines kind of like menu-based old Final Fantasy stuff with grid-based tactics um, where okay. movement is important and range and whatnot. So, but yeah, but the story is fantastic. I don't think it did it justice by any means, <laughs> but <What>? it's, it's, <laughs> it's a really unique world. It's it, There's a lot of depth, a lot of personality that you just don't find elsewhere. What platform uh, do you recommend people check it out on? Uh, right now, the easiest way to play it is Steam. Okay. Yeah. It was originally on um, PlayStation Portable, um, and then it was had a PC port. Oh, okay. That's that's pretty cool. I will yeah. definitely have to check that one out because I'm looking for a good Steam Deck game to play right now. Yeah, that would definitely be it. All right. All right. So, Josh, my last final question is where can the good people find you today? Um, I am primarily on Twitter. Um, it, my username is Finn the Brave. That's F I O N N, and then the Brave. Um, and then I'm you'll see news stories from me on USA Today's for the win section. Um, part of my work with uh, GLHF, it's an international kind of uh, I guess content or con- branded content organization, <laughs> which sounds a bit dry, but basically we do video games, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the short version of it. And then I'm still doing my best trying to get picked up elsewhere for freelancing, so hopefully, you'll see me everywhere. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Josh, man, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you again for making the time to do this. Yeah, it was a pleasure to join. Thank you so much for inviting me. Man, we got to do it again sometime. But in the meanwhile, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. I've been Sebastian. That's been Josh. And until next time, stay safe, stay gaming, and keep playing the single-player experience. Until next time, bye, everyone. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I would like to thank Joshua Broadwell for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!